What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy. Uh, we have our co-host that we've been teasing for damn about a month now. I've been doing this thing solo, bringing some guests on, talking about our future plans. But um, as you can tell, this isn't talking the start. It is now talking the draft. We are officially in draft season. And with that, I'd like to introduce Mark Schofield. Uh, you do a ton of work for a ton of different websites, so I'll kind of let you talk about that for a second. But I'm glad to finally have you on and uh, bring this podcast to life that we've been uh, introducing and talking about for the last month, month now. Yeah, Connor, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm so excited to be part of this. Um, and a quick little story. Connor and I, friends, we've been on a plane before, in case yeah. everybody didn't know that. We were on a flight uh, was I think it was Atlanta down into Mobile one year uh, for the Senior Bowl, and but it, it, I've been a fan of Connor's work for a long time now. Knows the draft inside and out. He's got a great eye for talent and and evaluation. So I'm super excited to be here. We're going to roll right into it, and it is draft season, the Super Bowl, the playoffs, all that stuff in the rearview mirror, and it's time to get focused on the draft because we've got in a couple of days now franchise tag windows, and we've got tampering period. We have the combine coming up at the start of March, so. It's going to be a super fun time here. Yeah, and I'm like you said, it was uh, – I can't remember if it was Atlanta or Charlotte, but Mobile probably four or five years ago. I was like, yeah. Mark, it's like I, I follow you on Twitter, love the stuff. And you're like, yeah, I think I follow you too. I saw some quarterback stuff you're talking about this morning. So it's it's kind of cool to come full circle. And um, like you said, I always love the content you bring. And you kind of started dabbling in some Cowboy stuff this year, which a lot of our listeners are going to be Cowboys fans. So while we're going to talk – Cowboys, this is going to be a draft, more draft-centric podcast. We'll obviously throw some Cowboys flavor in there and add them into the mix probably more often than not, but we want anybody to be able to listen to this, seeing as hopefully anybody from any other fan base could check in and, and, and see what we're talking about and who we're discussing. But, um, Mark, let's – uh, I know you spent a lot of time watching this Cowboys offense this year. Um, you did your DAC Watch videos for Blogging the Boys. Uh, one of the One of my favorite things every week is just – you know, again, you can you can sit down and analyze and talk about the quarterback play, but somebody who can dive into the coverages they're seeing, the mechanics, like you're one of the best, I think, out there that does that. Um, so I always love checking in on your, your DAC reports and seeing what you had to say about him. In that, you see a lot of the offense um, with that first round pick. There's a lot of discussion if that team, if the, if the Cowboys are going to look at adding a guard, a, a tackle, a wide receiver even. From your point of view, watching this offense in 2021, where do you see the biggest need is on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, it is a huge question, Connor, because, you know, there's a couple of different positions they could address. Like you said, you know, offensive line could be a need. Um, you know, wide receiver could be a need. Um, and certainly a lot of that might depend on how they handle a couple of different players, um, how they handle, you know, the, the free agency decisions that, that they're staring down right now. But I do think that, look, offense has to be a priority here, whether it's offensive line or wide receiver. I think that is dependent on how the board falls in the first round, the position I think Dallas kind of needs to address. I know we've seen some mocks. We've talked about some mocks, you and I have, that have them go with wide receiver early, and I think that's fine. Um, I think, interestingly enough, you know, you could probably wait a little on offensive line. But if, like, look, if one of the top guys falls, so like if you see, you know, for whatever reason, somebody falls in that first round or if they really like a player like Zion Johnson, for example, the interior offensive lineman for Boston College, if he's there, 
he's somebody to think about because he could play a couple of different spots up front. Um, but that's kind of where my head's at. Where's yours? So for me, I, I think, which I agree with a lot of what you said, like, I, I think they put, they put themselves in a corner corner here. If they do move on from Amari Cooper, which has been the kind of big discussion in Dallas right now is like, right. okay, are they going to save some cap space by moving on from Amari, which, you know, sure that saves you $16 million in cap space, but then at the same time, you then have a huge hole at wide receiver. So I think it's kind of counterintuitive to do that. And, and it's not really fixing a problem. It's just creating a new one. Um, which again, you can draft a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or Traylon Burks, Drake London, whoever that is, and, and feel pretty good about your wide receiving core. But for me, I mean, I think like this team has that Super Bowl window where it's, you know, they probably got two or three years. They need to kind of go for it and moving on from, a really good wide receiver who's familiar with this offense, you know, has a pretty good relationship with the quarterback and, and, and you think has a pretty good relationship with the offense coordinator just doesn't seem to be the most productive way to go about it. So for me, I think the best way to fix this offense is to fix the protection and get the running game back to where it was early in the season. Um, Which again, a lot of those problems came from shuffling guys in and out from injury, you know, Connor Williams had, He's always been a good player, but he's never really taken that leap that you hope he would to turn into a dominant player. And Tyler Biotish is a young guy who struggled at times. So for me, I mean, I'm like you said, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Um, if he can, you know, Kenyon Green's another guy who plays multiple positions, could he's played tackle, he could play center, you know, he's played a game at center. So, I mean, I think you're looking at those two guys, you know, and then if you do have one of those big guys, you know, Charles Cross, I think that's probably the third tackle that a lot of people have outside of Neil and Okwanu. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of a guy that if he does fall to you, you know, you might get into a situation where you consider that. But I think for your offensive lineman, you got to be looking at Kenya Green, um, Zion Johnson, and then crossing your fingers that if and – it, and it's tough because Tyler Linderbaum's such a good player – um, yeah, you know, he's a top, top 10 guy for me. So like, it's tough to see me falling, him falling all the way to 24 being he's, in my opinion, the best center in this class. Um, I'm not sure there's an argument there for anybody else right now, but you know, if he's, he's 292 pounds or something like that. So we've seen the NFL devalue guys that are a little undersized or shorter arms or whatever it is. So, I mean, it, it, I wanted to add, ask you that question. We really didn't even talk about that, but like, out of let's just say out of Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, Tyler Linderbaum, where do you, where would you see the biggest? What player do you think that they could add in, out of those three that would make the biggest impact for them? I mean, I'm a huge fan of Linderbaum. I mean, and I know that, like you said, Connor, the measurables, the arms, the size, it's going to worry people. But you watch him on film, like he can do so much, not just in the run game. I mean, you think interior offensive line, you think run game, but. You know, in today's NFL, you have to be able to – we just got done watching a Super Bowl where perhaps the most dominant player on the field was an interior defender in Aaron Donald. And certainly Donald's one of a kind. But you need guys on the inside that can help. And Linderbaum is fantastic in pass protection. And he's extremely aware. He's a very smart, knowledgeable player. Iowa offensive linemen tend to be coached well. And so if he somehow falls to Dallas and he's on the board, it's hard to pass on that. Like it's hard to pass on a player of that talent. Now I think if he gets past Philly with one of their three picks, I'd be stunned. Right. I mean, I do think that, you know, obviously Kelsey can come back, but I, I think there's a window that's closing on Kelsey's career that makes him a pretty good fit for Philly at some point in this draft. But if he's there, if Linderbaum is available, sure. Get him. 
I mean, Green, I don't think I don't think he slides. I think he's probably, you know, if you look at this first round, you know, I think even the Giants at seven might be in, in play wow. for him. Um, you know, Washington at 11 might be a, a situation where they would go get him because I don't think they can have – they can franchise tag <clears throat> Brandon Sheriff again. Sure, yeah. But that would be like the second year in a row. Right. So his contract would be like $28 million. And I don't think you could pay a guard $28 million. And so right. – Assuming that he's out of Washington, Washington might be a spot. So I don't think Green will be there. If if Linderbaum is, though, I, I think he fits. I mean, he's the guy that sticks out to me. Um, you know, and, and to touch on something you were just talking about with, with Cooper, I know, like you sort of teed up there, that, that's a cost-saving move. But I think it comes a pretty – it's an expensive one in a way because we've all seen the numbers in Prescott – Right. Before before Cooper, after Cooper. I mean, they make that trade with the Raiders, and almost overnight, you see improvement from Dak Prescott. And so, I understand the salary cap cost of you know finding a new deal with him, as opposed to letting him go. But like, you got to help Dak, and he's yeah. a huge part of that sort of helping Dak equation. Yeah, and I think you know, getting off track a little bit here, I think so many people are like, well, Dak makes $40 million. He's supposed to be able to make up for that loss on his own. And it's just like, nobody can really do that. Like, that's just not right. Not sure. There's a few in the league who make, you know, less supporting cast look better, but we see with Aaron Rodgers every year, like Devontae Adams isn't really, you know, even though I, I like what they do with Alan Lazard and guys like that, you know, they don't have enough to really take them over the top. So it's, I'm with you on it. Like, I just don't think it almost seems inevitable now that they're going to move on from Amari Cooper, but I just don't think that's the smart thing to do, especially when you're coming off a 12 and five season, felt like you got a really good team. Like the Rams just kind of showed you that's when you bring everybody back and go for it all, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if because of the Rams winning, you're going to see more teams say, look, we're going to try to just roll for it. We're going to try to go yeah. for it here. And if we have to really stretch things, you know, we have to make some tough decisions. I think Cooper is somebody you want to keep in the full because of what he means to the offense. And yes, I know you pay a quarterback 40 million. You're hoping he's going to be the guy that like wins games for you and, you know, raises the level of play of everybody. But the relationship with Cooper is, is sucks that I think it's critically important. And yes, you could get a Drake London at 24. You could get, you know, a Wilson or an Olave or a Burks or any of the receivers that are going to be available and they could be a great pro. They could be a great Dallas Cowboy. But it's going to take time to build that relationship. Right. And if you're in this window right now, Connor, you don't want to waste time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, you're picking at 24. You're not picking at eight. You know, where Cincinnati right. got Jamar Chase or, you know, even Devontae Smith. Even like, I, I even though I like these receivers, like I like Garrett. There's not a Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith in this no. class. J- Jalen Waddell even where you're like, this is a number one ride receiver that just need, you know, might need a year to really get there or whatever. But I mean, all these guys I like, I love Garrett Wilson. I, you know, I like Drake London. I like Traylon Burks. I, I like Chris Olave, but it's like, they all seem like could be number ones, but not quite sure, you know? Yeah. And again, like CD hasn't turned into that number one, like number, number one yet. He's shown spurts of it. He's shown the flashes of being that at times, but I don't think you can go into 2022 and be like, all right, we just need a wide receiver two because CD's got, you know, the, the, the X or the slot or whatever. And it lines up all over the place, but he's got the, the wide receiver one position locked in. 
So that's just yeah. And like, like I said, I feel like you're 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 creating a bigger hole by moving on from Amari than you would just eating the cap and you know pushing it down the road to hoping the cap explodes in a few years like they talk about it doing. So <laughs> right, and and all these receivers, like you said, I like them, but it's like, I mean, London's probably your typical prototypical X type X. guy. And if you're moving on from Amari and you've got C and you're hoping he's an X, you know, it's like you've got two X's. I guess you could use Lamb as more of a Z type. And I guess you could get by it that way. Burks, I think is more of a traditional X type, but Lavi and Wilson, I think can move around a little bit more, but they are seeming like guys that, like you said, they're wide receiver twos to start off with. Right. Like, it's not like last year where you were like, yeah, you know, Smith is going to be a wide receiver one. He's got that potential. Like Waddle. Yeah. He's probably like a one B kind of guy. Like Chase, you knew was going to be the prototypical X, especially in that Bengals offense. This is a bit different class. Like I, I think these guys need a bit more time. Now, you know, maybe you – maybe if you're Dallas, you think, well, we'll, we'll find a, a cheaper veteran. You're still going to have that problem with that relationship with the quarterback. I just think it's an expensive proposition in terms of the on-the-field stuff to move on from Cooper. Right. All right, we're going to play a little bit of game, uh, a game I like to – we always played it on the old show, but like kind of a would-you-rather or – this one or this guy or that guy and whatever you want to call it, but just we're going to go through a few guys um, that are kind of viewed in a similar range, a similar light. Um, I'll ask you who you, who you prefer in this situation and just a sentence, two sentences kind of explain why you prefer such player over the other. Um, we'll start off with a guy we kind of mentioned a little bit. Um, I feel like I know where you're going with this, but uh, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, which one do you like more for this football team and why? Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. Um, this is a really tough one, but I think I'd go green. I mean, just because he is ski versatile. He's got time he's spent at both guard spots. He can play some right tackle. He's ski versatile in the sense that you can do zone, gap, power, all sorts of stuff. Very tough, competitively tough player. He's got a little bit of nastiness to him which obviously is perfect for an interior offensive lineman if that's where he's eventually going to end up. Obviously, look, playing in the SEC, he's been up against some tough competition, whereas, you know, Zion Johnson, I think he's had a fantastic little rise here. Great senior bowl week. You know, he's put himself into the first round mix. I think if you've got the opportunity at 24 for Kenyon Green, like it's a run to the podium type situation. I'm with you, and that's not to diminish – Johnson at all. I mean, I think I think you could make the argument that Zion Johnson's ceiling is probably bigger than Kenyon Green's just because he's so raw. Yeah. You know, he's still so new to the position and he's still so just raw in so many different areas. But yeah, I mean, I just think Kenyon Green's your 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 high floor still has a relatively high ceiling, can play different spots for you. So that one's it, it's not all that close. But that's not to say that Zion Johnson you know, is a, is a, you know, much lesser player by any means. Yeah. I mean, if, if Zion's there when Dallas is on the clock, you know, and you've already dressed, you've kept Cooper and now you think, look, we got to dress offensive line. He'd be a fantastic pick. I mean, I, I right. would have no problems if Dallas did that. I think if you're deciding between the two though, I'd prefer green. Right. All right. Um, Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd. Oh, man, this one is so hard because I really like both of these players. I mean, I, I think, look, anytime you think off-ball linebacker, you're really worried, like, oh, can they contribute in the pass game? Can they hold up on third and seven? Do you have to take them off the field? I don't know, man. I, I, I like Dean a little bit more. Lloyd is probably the higher-ranked guy. You look at a lot of, like, big boards, like the draft network and stuff, you know, they'll, they'll have Lloyd as the higher guy. But I really like 
what he's done in the SEC. I really like his lateral quickness and how he can get sideline to sideline. He's seen a lot of different offensive systems. And obviously, look, you're playing under Kirby Smart. And so there's going to be an easier sort of time, I think, making a more little plug and play. He's done a lot of it, a lot more stuff schematically. So I, Lloyd might be the better player. I think Dean might be the better fit. Yeah, and I'm – I currently have Dean ranked ahead of Lloyd. I mean, they're pretty much their tags are pretty much touching for me. Um, they're very close, but I honestly like Dean more for Dallas just because I feel like you know Lloyd's probably your more prototypical three-down you know linebacker that can cover you know and cover better than Dean. Not to say that Dean can't, but just has that little bit more you know 2022 version of defense to him where he's not as much of a run downhill player where Dean can do other things, but you just watch his tape and you see a guy flying downhill, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And obviously that's great. Um, But I think, you know, with Dallas, obviously towards ACL, but Jabril Cox was a guy they drafted last year who I think is like a lighter version of Devin, um, Devin Lloyd. So I feel like pairing, Jabril Cox with hopefully he's healthy, ready to go in 2022 with the Nicobe Dean and letting Micah kind of move around as your pass rusher slash inside linebacker. Like that would just be a lot of fun with those three guys being able to move them around Um, where I think with Lloyd, really good player, but I think you got a very similar style of guy in Jabril Cox last year, you know, not to say that he's Devin Lloyd, but. Right. Yeah. And I'm such a huge fan of Cox too. And I really like the thought of like with Parsons, with Dean, with Cox on the field, there's a lot of different stuff you could do. You know, you could go three, three front stuff. You could go turn it into a four man surface up front. We're going to put Parsons down on the edge. And then you got Dean and Cox at the second, at the second level. I really like the versatility. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you, Connor. I really like the fit with Dean. All right. Bernard Raymond and Trevor Penning. A couple of tackles. Yeah. Seeing Penning (laughs) his entire senior bowl week, with that nastiness to him yeah. where, you know, he was playing, forget to the whistle through the whistle. Through it, yeah. Like, you know, that, that really sort of stands out of my mind. Now I think what's interesting about this one, because I think there is a, a bit of a gap there right. in terms of like where these guys are going to end up coming off the board. If you're telling me it's 24, now I'd like Pennon, but if the idea is, yeah, but you could get a wide receiver if you wanted to, you could get, you know, one of these linebackers we were just talking about, and at 88, you may still be able to get the tackle. I mean, if that's the sort of scenario, like, you know, if it's Pettit at 24 or it's Raymond at 88, I might sit with Raymond at 88. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, it's it's a – because would you say after Senior Bowl week, depending, it was going to be – is he – you think he goes in the first round for sure? I think he does. I mean – okay. I had him sort of as a cusp first rounder going in. I thought a team like, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at the draft, like the Cincinnati Bengals at 31, right, 31. but obviously desperately need to, you know, address the offensive line. I thought pre-senior bowl, like that might be a spot for him. I think he's probably kicked up a little bit where, yeah, he might come off the board, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 24. Uh, so I think he's probably in the first round, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely like, I got, I have a two on him. But, you know, obviously there's not 32 first round right. grades. So, right. so, you know, like I have probably, I'm still working my way through a lot of these guys, but he's, I've probably watched 60 guys and I got him like in the, in the mid of the second round. And, and not to say that I don't like him, you know, cause people are probably like, damn, that's a harsh grade for a guy that we're talking about going at 24. But, um, 
like you said, like there's things that I like to see him do better at. We talked about it a little bit at the in our senior bowl preview podcast a couple weeks ago. But like you said, those guys aren't necessarily like tag touching guys, but yeah, I'll bring that up for that reason. Like you could probably get one guy maybe in the third, you know, third or one guy you might have to take a little bit earlier than you'd really want to. So that's why I kind of bring a few of those um up. But all right, I'm gonna do one more of these and then we're gonna we're gonna move on. We haven't talked about this position at all yet. Um, we talked about Amari and the receivers. So I do want to mention that the same thing's kind of going on with Demarcus Lawrence and the edge rushers. So looking at the guys that could be there at 24, I want to talk about, which I don't know that a week ago, I felt like this was a, a given, but Jermaine Johnson and David Ajabo, both of those guys could definitely go before 24, but there's a good chance that they'll kind of go in that similar range that the Cowboys are sitting in. Kind of different guys. One guy's older, a little bit more refined. He's put it, most of his game together. One guy's more raw, but more explosive. Um, has a lot of those pass rush traits that you're betting on. Which one do you prefer and why? Yeah, this is a real tough one, Connor. <laughs> um, Johnson is really sort of another guy that had a great senior bowl week and has really sort of put it together. And, you know, I, I think he's a guy that, like you said, he has the pass rushing plan. Like he's got – the moves put together, like he has the toolkit, but I'm coming around to the idea and, and Dalton Miller, our good buddy talked about this today on Twitter. He's like, sometimes a pass rush, man, you just bet on trades, trades. like you just bet on like raw traits. And I, I think there's something to that. Like, give me the guy that can like corner that can explode out of the blocks that can jump out of the gym. I think job was going to test really well. Now the thing that concerns me though, Studying him, studying Hutchinson, studying Michigan, he got a lot of one-on-ones because protection was getting slid right. away from him to Hutchinson. And so, you know, that is – was it – he might not see that in the NFL. He might see some doubles. Like, I, I was trying to see when those guys were both doubled. Hutchinson was getting them a lot more. Hutchinson was getting the protection slid his way a lot more. So there was a little bit of a production benefit to that. But provided he tests well – I think you still sort of bet on those that raw athleticism at this position. Where do you think those guys end up going? Like what range? I mean, I, I think provided the quarterbacks kind of fall the way I think they will. I mean, I, if we see teams sort of talk themselves into a Malik Wallace top 10, a Kenny Pickett top 10, a Matt Corral top 10, which seems too rich for me, but it's probably going to happen. Those guys might – Ojabo might come off the board at 15, 16 to Philly or even in the right. 20s, same with Johnson. Like, they might both be there if quarterbacks go early when Dallas is on the clock at 24. Yeah. That's kind of where I see it too. Like, they're in that 19 to 17 to 26 range, you know. Like, there's like nine, yeah. a, a nine-pick stretch there where it's like they could be gone, they could both be there, one of them could be there. And I, I think I lean – you know, with you on like everything you said, I agree with. I have a job graded higher right now, um, just based on like what we talked about with Dalton's tweet earlier, where you're just you see the traits right. and you're like, holy shit, like this guy can be, you know, he looks like obviously different position, but like that's what made Micah Parsons such a great pass rusher this year. Is he's just so right. explosive, he's so quick, he's so twitched up. So it's like you you want to see that, but man, like Jermaine Johnson kind of reminds me of what Demarcus Lawrence was coming out of Boise State. Yes, he five, does. Six years ago, like the similar size, you know, just 
technique wise, it's more refined, like same body types, you know? So it's, I see spurts of DeMarcus Lawrence and I'm like, well, damn, if you're going to move on from DeMarcus Lawrence, should you just bring in DeMarcus Lawrence Jr. over here? So I don't know. It's, 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 it's like ice cream flavors for me. It's, it's not like, you know, it's just like, do you prefer the guy who's probably more ready to contribute day one, be a little bit better run defender, you know, can kind of flip around both sides or do you want the guy that just can line up on the weak side and pin his ears back and probably get you a few more sacks a year. But it's, it's just like you said, ice cream flavors. And and both of those guys are, um, are fun guys to evaluate. Yeah. I mean, they're both great to watch. They're both great to evaluate. I mean, it might be another situation where it's that floor versus Cena, right? Like Johnson might have like a really nice NFL floor where, yeah, you know, maybe a great year he puts you together like eight sacks or something like that but he's going to be good against the run. He's going to set an edge. Like he's going to pose problems for NFL tackles early for the most part, because he's got the like pass rushing plan. He can string together right. a variety of moves. He can counter really well. One of the things that I liked about watching him on film and then the scene, well, like he can counter stuff. Like if he, his initial move, they, they're ready for it. He can swim, he can spin, like he can do some things and put together dual moves where sometimes you don't see that from guys. Whereas Ojabo, like, he might just have to win with athleticism off the edge early as he fills out the rest. But eventually you might get, like, a double-digit sack season out of him. It might just be 23-24 kind of thing. Yep, yep. Like I said, I think it's your – you got a Demarcus Lawrence replacement, and then you got, like, what you hope could turn into, you know, your – your Randy Gregory, where it's, like, you're getting on that that speed and explosiveness and length to really just play a part. But – um. All right, we got a few more minutes left. We're going to run through uh, Chad Ruder at um, NFL.com, released a three-round mock draft yesterday, late last night. So we're going to talk about it. Talk. We're just going to really talk about the Cowboys picks. Um, this is a pretty interesting one. We talked about it earlier for a little bit. It, it's not It's not your normal one that you see posted on Twitter being like, man, I, I love this draft for the Cowboys because right. it's, it's, it's a little – a lot of people are going to look at this, read this, and be like, ew. But, again, a lot of times it doesn't fall perfect. Um you're not going to have your Kenyon Green be there at 24, your Jamison Williams there at 56, and then your Bernard Raymond there at 88, whatever it is. So um, he ended up going with Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver, with the 24th overall pick. Um, he notes that uh, the uncertainty around Amari Cooper's future and the free agency of Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson, the Cowboys need help for CeeDee Lamb on the outside. Uh, Wilson's body control footwork in the open field will certainly intrigue owner Jerry Jones. I like Garrett Wilson a lot. Um, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier. Obviously, he brings a dynamic to that offense that they don't really have with his speed and and agility and the ability to create the separation and win down the field and after the catch. So he brings all those things to the table. What about Wilson concerns you? Because we, we talked about the things that he does well, but what about his game are you worried about that might not allow him to develop to be the player that can really shine in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, Connor, from watching him, like he's a good route runner. He's not a right. he's not an Amari Cooper route runner. Like Cooper is such a great route runner. And sort of what, what Chad's spelling out here is like this is the pick that would happen if Cooper's gone. Well, I'm not sure he's like the easy sort of guy to replace Cooper. I like the way that Wilson sort of gets into blind spots and stuff, but you know, the route running isn't there. Some of the reps that I saw of him against press, like he's going to see a lot more press in the NFL. I don't know if his release package is ready for that yet. Again, it could get there. I mean, so those are the sort of concerns that I have about him and I'm curious to hear yours 
But the other thing to point out that, again, if this is the Amari is gone, you got to go wide receiver kind of decision, then I understand that. But you got Nicobe Dean coming off at 26 to Tennessee, and you got Zion Johnson coming off the board at 27. And then you've got George Pickens to New England at 28, who, you know, if he's healthy, he's an elite type player. You got to bet on right. health. And so, you know, Wilson's a good wide receiver. It's just one of those, if, if you're a Dallas fan and you're like, all right, we got Wilson, that's okay, but look what we passed on. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it's not like I have a long list of concerns um, with his game by any means, but when you see Dean and Johnson go a few picks later, you're kind of, I'm with you, where it's like, man, I feel like you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're when you look at a, my ranking, you're going to see Dean way up here, and, you know, again, not that he's in the second round or third round for me, but you're going to have to scroll a little bit to find Garrett Wilson. Um, and I agree with you, you know, like I feel like he does separate, but it's not because of his route running ability. Right. You know, like he uses, he uses subtle nuances to create separation. He's obviously, you know, he's got the speed to create separation just off of his natural, um, you know, athleticism. But when you have a guy that's going to be physical with him at the line of scrimmage and, and coming out of his stems and stuff like that, is he able to, you know, give guys fits coming on in and out of his breaks to create that separation. And that's just what I'm, like you said, like that's really my only thing with him too, is it's like, okay, you won with that speed and athleticism in college, but can that drink? Cause again, like his teammate, Chris Olave, he's a better route runner. He's more smooth yeah. in the way he creates separation, yeah. but he doesn't have that, you know, over the top athleticism and, and speed. So it's like, you wish you could take the best things about Olave's game and put it with what Wilson does. And you'd have, you would have your wide receiver one at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said though, I mean, he's separated, he's getting open over the top, but it's like big 10 defenses. Like, right. I mean, he's, it, he's probably going to test well. And so like, it's not like you're going to be like, Oh my God, you ran a four, six. What? Like, I'm sure he's right. going to run, run well at the combine, but you know, I'd, I'd feel a bit more comfortable at that sort of over-the-top lawn speed if you're seeing him separate, you know, against SEC coverages and things like that. One of the things Wilson does really well that I love about him, gets into the blind spot so well. Like, you'll see him on that vertical release, like, work himself into that corner's blind spot, which I think puts him in a pretty good position for, you know, to fill in the route running because you can make your breaks and get off your stem at that point and get a little bit of separation that way. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to let you talk about the second round pick because I have not watched him yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this is, I think, Connor, a great way to frame it because I haven't watched him yet either. Like, and, and even when I was watching Howell, this is Joshua Dedzu, the, the offensive guard from North Carolina, who, friends, um, I haven't done a ton of work on. Connor hasn't done a ton of work on this guy. What's interesting about this guy is I'm trying to look for him on the draft networks top 100 can't find. and I can't find the write up on him at all. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so, never a good, that's never a good thing. where is he? I can't even find him. I, I'm oh. scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. There it is. Uh. He is over at the draft network. They're 300th ranked player right now. <laughs> now look, I love Chad. I, I've had dinner with him. He's a great guy. Like, I mean, in the write-up from Joe Marino, he says that he could be a starting guard, um, gets after it in the run game. But when the cons, the negatives, the weaknesses start out this way for a guard, it's not good. Cons, top heavy with slow feet. He doesn't have ideal <laughs> lateral quickness for the zone game or to mirror in pass protection. Doesn't play with good leverage or bend, which leads to overextension and folding at the waist. 
I haven't watched him. Connor hasn't watched him. I know Joe Marino. Connor knows Joe. We love Joe. And if that's what Joe is seeing on tape, I'm a little concerned about him at 64, particularly when just a couple of picks later, you got, you know, Bernard Raymond going off the board to Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And Sean, Sean Ryan goes, at, you know, which I like Sean. I like Sean Ryan's game quite a bit, too. A guy who's got some tackle guard vers- versatility, but he goes about 15 picks later. And I'm like, damn, I just would rather trade back at that point and, <laughs> and yeah. grab Raymond or, or Ryan at that point. But yeah, th- th- and, this yeah one... I, I do. I do love Chad's work, but he's got DeMarv, uh, DeMarvin Leo going 75th overall. So that one was a stunner to me, too. <laughs> like, I understand that, like, he might fall a little bit, but right. every time Harris, I've done a mock Connor, I get to 17 in the Chargers, and I'm like, all right, well, well, there you go. That's where he's going. Yeah. And I saw that. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe he got the second and third round flips. You never know. That, yeah, that, maybe that, it happens. That's happened to me before. Yeah, it's happened to me, too. <laughs> all right. Have you watched their third round pick? Because I also have not seen much of I'm trying to – I'm pulling up right now, and if we get Colleen Wolf here in a second, yep, there Mare she is. Barno out of Virginia Tech. Oh, okay. Um, I've watched him a little bit. Um, you know, a guy that can move pretty well. I mean, he's – again, it's, you're getting to this point, you start talking about edges. You know, you're going to be betting a little bit on traits. That's You know, that's he doesn't have, I'd... like, the full refined plan. Um, you know, very much a developmental type. Like, right. That that's what I see. And that's I mean, he's six six, like two thirty-five. So like he doesn't really yeah. fit his fits their length prototype, but like I mean, they don't normally draft those super undersized edge rushers. So that was that was only my issue with this pick because I haven't watched the player enough to really critique it and say, oh, I don't like that because I haven't seen him. He could end up being great. But for me, it's just like, like when it, he's super long, but like right. He's a situational pass rusher. Like, right. um, could you use a guy like that? Yeah, sure. And I mean, you know, depending on what happens in free agency, like you might need like a situational, like third and lawn guy that could work. I don't know if that's a pick you make in the third round though. Like yeah. I could think, I think you can find a guy like this, maybe even him a little bit later in the draft. I mean, absolutely. I don't know if you need to do it in the third round. Like you may be able to find a guy like this, you know, in, in the fourth round, you may be able to find a guy like this, the pick a 166, even the fifth round comp at 175. You can get that long, explosive, raw type and go something else with this pick in the third round. Yeah. And and I, I love, like, I think what he did with going wide receiver, interior offensive line, and edge is probably the three positions they go in the first yeah. two rounds. If I, if, if I had to take a bet today, I'd say that maybe you say linebacker out, you know, outside of wide receiver if Amari stays or maybe linebacker and then edge. Um, but I think he's got the positions down. Hopefully right. he doesn't have the players down, which again, this is a long process. You know, you're hearing some, he's probably hearing, you know, sitting beside somebody at the senior bowl that, you know, talking to a scout from the Cowboys and they mentioned how they like this guy, you know, they, they could see drafting him in, in the middle rounds and he throws him in a mock draft. So Again, like you might roll your eyes at it today, and then two months from now, people are burning up about these guys that we hadn't watched yet, and, and they end up being top 100 players. So, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Connor. These are probably the three, particularly if Cooper does end up moving on, um, the p- three positions. I think he got that 
pretty much exactly right. It's just, okay, we probably would have gone in a different direction. Right. Second round, gone in a different direction with the third round pick. At least would have gone with a guy that we had both watched a little bit more in the second <laughs> round than somebody that we're trying to read another scout's report on. But yeah. But, but also I do love doing these because we can go on PFF for TDN and do our mock draft simulator and run that thing 10 times until we get the perfect thing to fall and be like, all right, here's the perfect mock draft, but it's just never going to happen that way. No, it's so, never going to happen. So it's fun to add, talk about these ones that are a little bit off the wall and not your prototypical, uh, you know, three, four five round mock draft where you get all your, your best players that fall to you. But, um, Mark, man, this is a lot of fun. Um, first one, first of many, we're going to be doing this every Wednesday. It'll be coming out. So um, same schedule that we were on before, uh, just a, a, a different a different co-host with me. And I'm excited. Like I said, I we, we've talked a lot on the internet and seen each other at the Senior Bowl once or twice. But um, I like that, again, me, Dalton, and Cole did this for a long time, and we had a lot of the same opinions. So I'm hoping we can get into some few debates about some of these guys and not think, not see eye to eye, not think the same way, because those are the fun ones when you see those are, yeah. So um, I'm excited, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, make sure, obviously, you're checking this out. Make sure you subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast feed. Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, any podcast platform you listen on. This is on there. Just search Blogging the Boys. Click subscribe. You'll get so many different shows. I think we got almost 12 different shows now with different voices, different people on there. So check them all out. You got a show every day and most days have two shows. So if you're looking for Cowboys content, draft content, whatever that, uh, whatever itch you're trying to scratch, it'll be on there. Uh, just search Blogging the Boys. Click subscribe. Give us a good rating, good review, leave a comment, whatever you need to do. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, Mark, for uh, starting this journey with us. And we'll see you next time.